So, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Should we say that again? Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now, filled with joy, we shouted that from the top of Crow Hill this morning. You should have heard my four-year-old. She was really shouting it out. And as the sun has risen all around the world, the nations have all said the same thing. They may use different words, slightly different phrasing, but the sentiment has been the same. I wonder if you speak another language. Let's shout it out together now. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia! It's just so exciting to hear everybody saying that. But risen, what is it that we're really celebrating? What's so special about this? Why, 2,000 years on, are we celebrating that Christ rose from the dead? Now, every so often, you hear about people who have almost died and have come back to life. I don't know if we've got any football fans here this morning, but... um, Fabrice Moamba, the uh, Bolton Wanderers player, collapsed during the FA Cup last month. And the team doctor, Jonathan Tobins, he's been quoted as saying that Fabrice was in effect dead for 78 minutes. But after 15 electric shocks, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and the valiant efforts of a very skilled medical team, he pulled through. And today, he is on the road to recovery. But what the other players and the fans, let alone his family, thought to see him come that close to death and then to have him back again. Pray for Fabrice Moamba, the Twitter feed shouted. And people did. And they've been hailing his recovery as a miracle. Now, at the very least, it's a miracle of modern science and what our God-given medical skills can do. But back in Bible times... They didn't have defibrillators. They didn't have our detailed understanding of how the human body works. But in the Gospels, there are still some pretty convincing resurrection stories. One of the most profound is the story of Lazarus. If you flick back a few pages to John 11, you'll see that in your Bibles. You probably remember how it goes. Jesus hears that his friend is sick, but he doesn't go there straight away. And then... When they arrive in Bethany, the house is filled with people who are mourning the death of Lazarus. He's been in the tomb for four days. Now, this is no near-death experience. He had died, he'd been washed, anointed, wrapped in grave cloths and placed in that tomb. And then Jesus prayed. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, he said. And then, Lazarus, come out. And in verse 44, we read, The dead man came out, his hands and feet, wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. There's no denying the miracle there. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed for this dead man and he rose again. He came back to life, he recovered and resumed his natural life. So why don't we celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus every year? Why is it Jesus' resurrection we've been singing about this morning? Well, my five-year-old got right to the heart of this, children so often do, when he asked, what happened next? Lazarus had been raised from the dead once, but when did he really die and stay dead, Mum? Well, 
In the case of Lazarus, that's exactly right. He died once and Jesus raised him back to life. But there came a day when Lazarus died and stayed dead. The, we, the scriptures don't tell us exactly where or when he died, but the tomb of Lazarus is something which people have purported to have found through history. What is certain is that he was a human being and our bodies don't last forever and Lazarus died. And that's why we're not celebrating Lazarus's resurrection today. Instead, though, we remember what it says in John 11:4 that it happened for God's glory so that God's son might be glorified. God's son, we read. Now, that's where the difference comes in, isn't it? Jesus, whose resurrection we're talking about this morning, he was fully human. He suffered as any human being would suffer. The whips hurt him. His blood was real blood and he cried real tears. And yet he was also fully God. When he rose again, it wasn't a temporary blip that gave him just a few more years on earth. Instead, his resurrection conquered death. But none of this was quite what the disciples were expecting, was it? Turn back forward a few pages to John 20. Look at 20 verse 9. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Despite spending so much time with Jesus and listening to his teaching and seeing him heal the sick and even raise the dead, they still weren't expecting this. It's hard to imagine what Peter and the other disciples thought when they got that message from the women saying that the tomb was empty. And the women had initially assumed that, that someone had taken the body. And I think, quite frankly, I'd have been with them on that. I'd have thought someone had taken Jesus. But then, as the disciples dared to step inside the tomb and dared to look around, it sinks in. The folded linen gravecloths and the completely empty tomb. As it says in verse 8, he saw and believed Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, it always makes me smile when I see verse 9, complete with brackets. You see, to us, it just seems so obvious that this is what had to happen, doesn't it? And as we read the Gospels, it all points to Jesus' death and resurrection, especially when you read John's Gospel, because he keeps pointing out the significance of what Jesus is saying. But for those heartbroken, mourning disciples, Jesus' death on the cross, it just made no sense. They'd lost their teacher, leader, and their friend. But also, they knew enough about Jesus to know a miracle when they saw one. They'd been with him when he walked on water, when he'd fed the 5,000, when he'd raised Lazarus from the, from the dead. And even though they didn't really understand, they believed. That's a position I can relate to. Sometimes things just don't quite make sense, but you trust God. And you go back to the scriptures and you check it out and, and it does all make sense. But first of all, they believed. So as the disciples went back through all that Jesus had taught them, and as they went back through the scriptures, their intuitive belief was given confirmation after confirmation. And they started to understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. 
And that's where our second story, a second um, reading, picked up the story. Flick forward to Acts. Now we look ahead. We're beyond the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, beyond the ascension when Christ left the earth but did not die. Now the disciples not only believe that Jesus rose from the grave, but they know him to be the Messiah, the one foretold through the prophets. And in Acts 10, we heard Peter preaching to a group of God-fearing Gentiles in the house of Cornelius. Look at it again. Look how he reminds them of the story of Jesus' baptism, a story that all the God-fearing people in the region would have heard. How he speaks of Jesus' power to heal, and he tells the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. He leaves his listeners in no doubt that this resurrection was to a real physical body. Look what he says, how, they, how Jesus ate and drank with them. And then Peter, who, with the disciple that Jesus loved, that we read about in John, he had seen the empty tomb that first Easter Sunday, and he had believed that Jesus was alive. And now we can tell from what he says here, he really understands what it meant. That Jesus was the one God appointed as judge of the living and the dead, and more importantly, the only one who can forgive our sins. Look too at how Peter declares that this was as the prophets testify. It all makes sense now. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross, and he paid the price for our sins. When he rose from death, he overcame the power of death, and he opened the door so that we can meet with God. No longer under the law but saved by faith in Christ. But uh, to go back to that question from my five-year-old, if someone's raised from the dead, won't they die again later? How do we know that didn't happen to Jesus? Well, most simply, we can retell the story of the ascension. Christ returned to heaven. He didn't die and leave a crumpled body there in front of his disciples. Instead, he took his place at the right hand of the Father. But more than that, we can read so many stories in the Bible of the work that he continued to do. Cast your eye back to the previous chapter of Acts, to Acts 9, and look at what Peter had been doing just before he preached this sermon to Cornelius. What do you see? Well, in Acts 9.33 we read, He found a man named Aeneas who was paralysed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. Jesus Christ heals you, Peter had said. And then in Acts 36, we read another resurrection story about Tabitha who died. Again, Peter prays. No doubt, he called upon the risen Lord Jesus, who instructed him to say, in 9 verse 40, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. The risen Lord still raising others to new life. And we in the church today, we know that such miracles have not stopped. Now, we don't see them every day. They would not be miracles if they happened every day. But I believe that Jesus can and, he and does heal, even in 21st century England. And when we don't see the miracles, we can still pray and read the Bible, and we can still know God's hand on our lives. 
to me, taking all these things together gives convincing proof that Jesus really did rise again, never to die again. That he really is the Son of God. That he was the one the scriptures foretold. I know that my Redeemer lives, Job had written so many centuries before. And here he is, the innocent suffering servant who died for our sins. The only one who could truly conquer death. God himself suffering in my place and then rising to glorious life. Alleluia! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed! Alleluia! But more than that, this is no secret just for the Jews. As Peter was starting to understand, this message of salvation found in the Jewish scriptures was meant for all the nations. Look at verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accept those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And in verse 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's why we're here today celebrating his resurrection, isn't it? Here in Camborne, miles away from Jerusalem, from Bethany, from Joppa, we are a church made up from people all around the globe. We speak different languages, we have different customs, but we worship the same God. The God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. And in a minute, we're going to take communion. And while we live these events from the first week, from our first holy Easter, and we'll remember how Jesus broke bread and wine with his disciples, and we too will share the body and blood of Jesus as we celebrate his death and his resurrection to new life. And as we go out from here, Let's remember that there is power in the name of Jesus, power to forgive our sins and power to change us into powerful witnesses to his risen life. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.